Welcome to Cast of Creators. We're your hosts. I'm Nelson Thal. And I'm Casey Stewart. We spent our careers in media and publishing, and now we're setting the stage for creative people who inspire us to share their stories. Cast of Creators is presented by our new social browser called Hover. Hover makes browsing fun. You can follow people and your favorite sites to discover and discuss the web all in one place. Download Hover, that's HVR, in the App Store or the Play Store. Today's guest is David Dunkley. He's an award-winning Milner who studied with the former royal Milner to Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth. David brought in some of his hats, which I obviously tried on, and shared stories of making hats and fascinators for royals and celebrities and gave us a preview of his new collection. Fascinating. Fascinating. David, welcome. Thank you. We're on. Here we go. Yeah. Here we go. <laughs> How exciting. Um, we uh, look at you as a master creator, David, Thank and you. what you've been able to accomplish and the things that you've been able to make and the pedigree that you have is just, I mean, next to anybody that we know of, especially in Canada <laughs> and, and beyond. So it's incredible well, to be you know, next to, to my dog. Yeah. <laughs> incredible to have you here. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I'm yeah. excited to be part of cast of creators. Oh, God, awesome. We love it. So Casey's wearing one of your creations. She didn't just uh, bring this in herself. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. That's my English fascinator. Love it's it. It's the very first thing I ever learned to make with the royal hat maker. Okay. Um, and there's a, a cute story about it. Um, but I've been making it since uh, the beginning of my career, and uh, wow. it's been a, a stock item in our shop for forever. And what is one of the things? Um, I was curious. The like a fascinator versus a hat. Yes. You know, like um. There's probably a clear difference. Fascinators. I'll let you explain. So a fascinator is a fascinating, oops, a fascinating object that is oh, on your head. Okay. So um, our, our present generation likes to think they coined uh, this whole concept, but actually our grandmothers wore fascinators. They were just called cocktail hats. Oh, okay. So kind of the name has changed and uh, the styles have evolved yeah. over the many years. But a fascinator is really just a, a small, fascinating object um, that, that one wears to, oh, to fascinate I and I didn't know that. It. Well, a lot of these are incredibly delicate and intricate, like even that. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not, if I were to think of a hat, I would, uh, there's, a, there's a, a miles between my idea of a hat and, and that. And yes. yet that looks very complicated <laughs> to get right. So what is is that like what's the construction of what i'm even looking at so the the story about that piece and is and what i love about that is i was studying in london with miss rose corey and she was the milliner to her majesty queen elizabeth the queen mother uh and it was wow. my first time that's very rolls off my tongue but it, it, yes, it's I a love, love lovely thing uh it, it was the first time i was studying with her and i was scared out of my mind terrified and um so she's a lovely woman, absolutely lovely. And uh, she taught me this technique. And I went home that evening. I was staying in London and I went yeah. home that night to, to learn this technique. So it's called cinema and it's rolling of petals. So the, the rolling of the actual edge is, is, is technical, mm -hmm. but I somehow took to it right away. I just loved yeah. it. But I couldn't assemble the piece the way that um, uh, she at Rose had asked. Uh, we called her ma'am. Uh, the way ma'am had asked us to put it together. So. Um, I thought, well, that's it. I kind of assembled it and went to class and thought, well, I'm going to be kicked out and sent back to Canada and, and shame. <laughs> and she loved it. Oh. I, which was, you know, an amazing thing. And uh, the class loved it. And I thought, well, this is interesting. Um, I was a new designer at the time. So I thought, well, let's just bring five of these homes. I made five of them and thought, well, let's see if these sell. And I had just opened my, my shop on Bathurst Street at the time. And uh, uh, people started buying them. And wow. they love them. So, I love that. So the feathers are shaved uh, coke feathers and the long, thin, bouncy feather, that's actually called a peacock curl, and that's dyed as well. So as Miss Corey has taught us, uh, the peacock curl fills in the space visually. That's it. So yeah, so it's been, one, it's been it's one, one of my staples and I just love making them. They're kind of my, my go-to fascinator. I call it my entry-level fascinator in my shop. Okay. So if you don't know, if you're a little intimidated, you're not sure what to wear, but you want to wear a little something. This is what we uh, we uh, introduced to you. It's beautiful. So before you went for this course, yes, were you already making hats? So I was making hats, and my story goes that uh, I started making hats through the Board of Education here in Toronto. 
So it's really hat making well, 101. Um, I was dating my husband to be at the time, and he called me and said, I've signed us up for hat making class. So I actually had nothing to do with it. I don't get any credits. Uh, Jeffrey gets all the credits. Wow. So he signed us up for that. I had my dream career at the time. And uh, how was, old were you? Uh, well, let's just say 12. Yeah. No, but you're okay. Um, how old was I? I would have been uh, about 30 at the time. Okay. Yeah, I think that was 30. Oh, so this is a later in life. Oh, this is totally interest. later. Yes, yes. Oh, okay. So nobody wow. grows up to be a hat maker. Everybody becomes hat makers by accident. Mm. So yes, all the- that was what I was uh, something we were talking about earlier. It's like, how do you get? To be yeah, a hat maker. It's fashionable right now. And, and, and the kids these days, as they say, are, uh, are you know, becoming hat makers. But uh, for the majority of history, most people fall into hats by accident. So, um, and which is exactly my story. I fell into to it by accident. I say all great careers are, are about timing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so uh, 20 years ago when I started, hats were not fashionable. They go in and out of fashion. And... Um, I uh, took the took the class, and then George Brown College was just rebooting their program after being dormant for twenty years, which was magical because the four people who came out who were really doing it professionally well, it was not in fashion. They were doing it perhaps for the for the arts and uh, for the theater and what have you. Um, they were the foundation of my teachers, so I had this spectacular foundation through George Brown. Um, and then when I left George Brown, that was a two year diploma program. And I just, it was really just special interest while I was, you know, doing my real thing. Um, I decided to leave my dream job because it turned out not to be my dream job. And I oh. ended up thought, well, I'll sell hats at the St. Lawrence market for the summer because I'd never had a summer off. And uh, I did that. And then um, got kind of, they offered me uh, space indoors, which I called my master's in retail. Wow. <laughs> Because I'd never had a retail job, even as a high school student, I, okay. I didn't work retail. I worked in restaurants. Yeah. So I ended up uh, having this um, tiny ten by ten stall, right by the bathrooms and by the pickup and drop off location for tour buses. Oh. I was mortally wounded when I was given that ten by ten space because I thought it couldn't have been the worst space. Yeah. Uh, it was probably the worst space in the entire uh, mall, but it turned out to be the best thing ever because everybody everyone goes, everybody goes, goes there. to the bathroom. And every hour, there were 75 people delivered and picked up in front of my store. Yeah. So I learned how to hustle and move and how to operate a retail store like nobody's business. Yeah, like really quickly. (laughs) Really quickly. So I loved it. So from there, I opened a studio. And uh, I'm a big believer, if you don't try, you don't know. And I wrote uh, Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth, the Queen Mother's Milner, a letter. Because 20 some odd years ago, you just couldn't find people on the internet. Right. And uh, I said, this is who I am and sent her a portfolio. And she called and said... I like your portfolio. You should come to London and I will teach you how to make hats. Wow. That's the short version. But wow. yes. Oh my God. I love this. So yeah, that's how I got into it. So, so, and then going to London to study with, with, with Miss Corey was life changing because that altered it from a, a craft or into high art because there was just, you know, she made hats for the queen. Yeah. So <laughs> I love this connection. I've had a fascination with the royal family my whole life. My middle name is Diana after Princess Diana. My mom was like, you know, just always loved her. She was great. So when I learned this about you, I was like, tell me more stories. Yes, yes. So yeah. Fascinating. Yeah, I have lots of stories. (laughs) Some we can say and some we can't. (laughs) (laughs) Save that for later. (laughs) So for a 10 by 10 booth. Yes. How many hats are you making? What's in the, you know, how many hats are in that booth? you're selling oh my gosh now you're making me think uh it was a it was a little bit of everything because you have to remember i was new so while i was trying to impress people with what i could do i didn't really know anything so you know i knew how to make i think i did a lot of soft hats okay so i i i I learned how to how to sew fabric because you have to remember i didn't i don't have a fashion background right at the time so I, i was completely like i didn't know how to use a sewing machine so everything i was my mother in law god bless her soul uh, she taught me how to use a sewing machine and I just kind of somehow figured it out a little bit. Um, and speaking of cast of creators, Barbara Hobbs, who is now retired, she was in North York and she taught home, she, through her home, she taught, uh, sewing and I used to take sewing lessons with her. So in the early days, it was all about soft caps and casual things. Mm-hmm. So when you say a soft hat. I'm assuming anything with a structure like this, that's not a soft hat. So anything, yeah. So this is not a soft hat. This would be considered a blocked, um, a blocked hat. Mm -hmm. So it, um, it is not, it is not soft. It is, 
It is a felt. It, this is a fur felt. It's a, a rabbit fur felt, and it um, is uh, structured. Um, it's blocked and stiffened and all kinds and of things happen when, to it. Um, it's like made actually on a block. Correct. So okay. all hats are made on shapes which look yeah. which look like the hat you're trying to make. Yeah, okay. The art of hat making is how do you take a piece of fabric or felt and stretch that and make it hold its shape um, and uh, look elegant and tasteful. Please. Damn it. So this is called the Harvey. There you go. A Harvey. There you go. Who's a handsome man now? There we go. <laughs> so this is a rabbit felt? This is rabbit fur velour, yes. Rabbit fur velour. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. Very no, luxurious. Just, so this green. starts on, so when you say a block, it's lit- like a block of wood that is the So it is a block. So that's actually two. The the two, uh, Barbara Hobbs uh, actually sold me a block many years ago, which is the brim. And then the crown is um, a custom shape that we had, that I had made in wood. Um, for for my uh, my 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 shop, so I married the two together and and came up with that that that's that, that, you make that. the block. I am trained to make blocks. How do you, so what do you, how do you make a block? So blocks are made. Every hat maker has a different version of how they can make a block. But uh, a often, well, off we so, yes, absolutely. Dremels <laughs> are bet. part of my job. Yeah. So the so the there's a saying in in hat making that all hats should look um, like they've been touched by a light hand. So the feathers should look like they just landed there. The felt should look mm-hmm. like it just stretched out magically and softly to that. But the reality is there's nothing soft or uh, magical about hat making. It's such a hard craft. Yeah. Such a hard, hard art. You have to stretch and pull and there's chemicals and there's nothing delicate about it. <laughs> right. Well, nothing <laughs> We make really... it look like it's delicate, yeah. but there's nothing delicate well, about hat making. Nothing wants to hold a strange shape. Right. Correct. Like, Correct. It's Nothing. tough to get. I mean, a ra- a rabbit doesn't have a shape like that. That's far from a shape not. of a rabbit. <laughs> I can make a hat that's shaped like a rabbit. It's beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, it's Thank gorgeous. You. And so, what's the first thing that ends up on the block? Like, what's the lower? What's the first thing that goes on that block? Well, that's that's blocked out in a, what's called a capeline. So, a capeline kind of looks like a soft hat. It has a little bump of a crown and then a big giant brim to it. So, we stretch that capeline onto a block and um, have it stay there and dry and then we stiffen it so do all kinds of stuff to it <laughs> fascinating can't give away all the secrets yeah i know but it's so cool <laughs> so you uh, ultimately have to practice this like you'd practice an instrument in some respect without question and in fact um i'm just where am i now uh, i'm just kind of hitting close to the 20 year mark and i only feel like in the last five years I've I've kind of started to hit my stride in experience. My mm-hmm. hands and my mind can work together now. I can kind of design something and it will mostly turn out um, the way I, I envision it because of my experience. But it's taken a long time. Like, like any good art or artist, um, it's just years and years of practice. I bet. So how, how many hats will you be making, you know, a week? You make multiple mm-hmm. hats a week? I do. I, I mean, we... Thanks Maybe to COVID. Maybe it depends on season. Who knows? Sorry? Maybe it depends on the season. It does know. depend on the season. Um, and it depends on what, you know, I have a lovely team who help me and everybody has their own specialty within within the structure. But um, uh, it, it varies from week to week. At the height of the season, which is kind of bridal horse race season, spring, summer, um, you know, that just the hats are flying out of there. We can't make them fast enough. <laughs> yeah, that, well, that's what I was thinking. Like, yeah. it doesn't matter how fast you work. There's only so many of these intricate things that you can personally make. Right. So I have a I have a complement of shapes that people like, and um, so my theory in my shop is I want to only create things that you can't find anywhere else. Yeah, they might a, resemble something else, or they theory. might speak to a shape that or a color that is popular. But if you can find it on Amazon, then I should not be making it. And if you can find it in another hat shop, I should not be making it. Right. So I try to just stick to the shapes that I know are mine. Um, so there's a, I have a full complement of those types of things. Um, and then I know that people like them in black, white, red, and blue. So we make sure we always have those ready. And then women will want to embellish them accordingly. So, 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 so I always have those ready. But uh, I specialize in one-of-a-kind custom pieces. Um, and then since COVID hits and, and we've gone through this nutty world of experience, um, you know, I've completely changed how we work. So I'm no longer as, uh, we're now by appointment where we've changed. We used to be open to the public five days a week. We're now, uh, by appointment, we have two days a week where we we have drop in hours on Friday and Saturdays. 
So I've changed how many hats I do make, mm-hmm. like the amount, the, the amount has changed. I've slowed it all down. I've slowed it all down. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds nice. It is lovely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's lovely. It's lovely. And also kind of back to the, the, your point about uh, experience, you know, after 20 years, I'm now at the point where I can just say, no, we're, I don't need to make everything. I don't want to make everything. Mm-hmm. I know I'm really good at A. I know I'm really good at B. Let's focus on that and let's make the best possible things we can do. I love couture. I love specializing in couture. So I don't mass produce. We don't buy things in bulk. We, you know, everything right from the embellishment to the hat is made in by hand in the shop. So if it's a flower on the hat, we made the flower. Um, what's the hat that has taken you the longest to make? A hat that has taken me the longest to make. Nelson always with the hard questions. Well, <laughs> well I'm trying to imagine. <laughs> yeah. Because, um, you know, something. Very intricate. Very intricate that's large. It would take weeks. Easy. Yeah. So the, so I'm the official milliner to the running of the Queen's Plate. And I'm the mm. first person in 165 years to ever be that's that a title. That's a beautiful accomplishment. And thank you. Way. Thank you yeah. very much. It really so, is. Hence, so, so, you know, something like this would be made for the Queen's Plate. So I, I, I get to experiment each year with a grand collection mm-hmm. for, for the plate. Um, and the horse race uh, season is, you know, the highest form of what a hat maker can do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would say in, in those collections every year, so there, I do a 10-piece collection. Um, I design complex, one-of-a-kind pieces. And uh, during the pandemic... Uh, I think it was the first year of the pandemic, I had made a hat and it, it looks kind of looks like an upside down flower pot, but, uh, I had a bird, I had a hummingbird that, uh, um, was floating and bouncing and it looked like it was, it was drinking the nectar from a flower oh, wow. and it was attached to that. The bird itself, I sculpted the bird in clay because we, we were talking about how a hat is blocked. Yeah. I had to block the shape of a hum- hummingbird. Um, and then I wasn't sure how to make the hummingbird. Um, right, because you can't leave the clay in there. It's too well, heavy. Well, you can't leave the clay in there. It's too heavy. So once I had a light frame of a bird uh, that I could sew together, I had to figure out how I was going to um, cover it. So I used uh, peacock swords or peacock feathers, and I would glue them on carefully and then cut the quill off, and then just kept layering them on oh each goodness. other. Oh, my Because I really wanted the iridescence of what, how beautiful a, a hummingbird is. So I would say that one took... It took months to make that. Wow. <laughs> wow. It took months. And then the entire hat was covered in, in silk. Um, one of my mentors was Pat McDonough, who's, who's a Toronto designer who's sadly passed away. But I used, I have a bunch of silks that she had given me and I saved those for that project. So, so that just took, it took a good six months to make that because it was just a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time, patience and patience and patience. And yeah, so I would say that's probably the longest. And most pieces... Most hats can take three to four, three to six hours, depending on each piece. Um, and then the couture generally takes, uh, from start to finish for a couture piece, you're kind of looking at 25 to 30 hours per piece. Oh, wow. Yeah. So when it's a 10-piece collection, it's, it takes a while. <laughs> that hummingbird so, was bought? The, no, the hummingbird I decided to keep. Yeah. Oh, that's I kept nice. that, Yeah, yeah. It's it's, sadly, I love it's, that you kept you know, it. I, there's a, usually one piece from each collection if it doesn't sell or if i'm very smitten with it it's very expensive so yeah <laughs> yeah you'll keep that uh, yeah so I, I generally have stuff from a select my collection's quite large oh i can imagine <laughs> how do you um if you have i mean i guess you have your studio you store them all are they all on lady ladies are are they on the wall how do you store a lot of hats how do I start? Well, I used to have a room in my house. Okay, which that's was, what I was imagining. Which was one of those rooms that you would walk to, and then you couldn't get in because you had to take boxes out to okay. get into it to then navigate and then pick what you needed and then fill the room back up. <laughs> so I got rid of that room during COVID. Okay. I decided ultimately no one's going to care about this but me. Mm-hmm. So uh, the very first hat I had made, time to say goodbye to it. So, right. Um, a little, I did a little Marie Kondo. Yes, uh, with all I think that. everyone did that during <laughs> exactly. that time. I definitely did. <laughs> so I got rid of that room, purged a lot. Um, and uh, so now I have everything. The, 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 the agreement we have at home is that it all has to stay in the studio. 
So, <laughs> yeah. so the studio's that's slightly good, bursting. That's a good agreement. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's, if it starts to creep into the home, it's. it's over, I have over two run. shelves at home, which are like the really, really, really special things. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that uh, are important to me. That you know, just I just have to, you know the custom Christian Dior that I have. And, wow. You know, my my mentor, or that I or not mentor, but one of the f- fashion people I love is uh, Lily Dashay. So when the, I almost wore a Lily Dashay tie today, she's from the. 40s and 50s. Wow. If you, any of the hack geeks watching will know who I'm talking about. But uh, but uh, I have a Lily Dashé, which I usually wear when I'm do- going to special things. Yeah. I almost pulled it out today, but anyways. Love it. It was yellow. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the white hat to your right. Yes. Um, these are real feathers. They are real coke feathers, yes. When you say coke feathers, is that what a type of bird? What's well, fancy word for rooster? Oh, oh, oh okay. okay. Oh, okay. A tweak on the other word. Yeah. <laughs> it makes us all feel good as hat makers not to say chicken. Yes. Right. Or the other word. Or rooster. Okay. So when you set those black feathers, that's a version of that feather that you've trimmed. Well done. And Correct. dyed. Okay. Yes. Dyed and sh- shaved and dyed. Yes. Yeah. So this is in like a diamondy kind of beautiful yes. shape. Yes. Oh, well, what's that dyed with? Just jet black ink. Pretty much. Yeah. It's very, um, like, uh, iridescent. Like, yep. it has a... Yep, it's just uh, the, the, f- the feather itself has that to it. So you're working... Let's just think... I'm just trying to understand what the, what the heck your table... Like, if that was an IKEA assembly project, <laughs> what would your table oh, be laid out Lord. with yeah, for that? Yeah, put it together. So first you would have... So this is the logo to Woodbine Entertainment, which is the Queen's Plate. Mm. Beautiful. So first we would uh, have the logo, and then we would... Um, in this case, this was um, printed on silk. So we'd have that done. And then you would have your blocks because there's two different blocks used in this. This is called the in my shop. This is called the Lady Vivian block, and then we have the Lady May block underneath. So okay, those two so blocks, the Vivian block is um, an oval, face. an mm-hmm. oval block. Correct. That you're stretching that silk around. Well, first I would stretch cinema, which would be the foundation that the silk is floating on. Okay. Oh. And then that would be wired, and then that would be wired to another base here. And then each one of these feathers would be cut and wired. And I think there's well over 120 feathers there. When you say wired, you're twisting a wire around the base of that feather. And is that if how it's... only it was that easy. Okay. <laughs> so, what, yeah, what do you mean by when you say so wired? So we, we, are, we are wrapping, we are, we are bonding the wire to, the, um, to each individual feather. Okay. Yeah. And then... Wow. With glue. And with glue. glue. Which allows me to control um, where the feather sits. Oh, so some of those have a uh, like a wire spine. That feather. Each, each one has a oh, its own wire attached to it. That, oh, that, that allows me to. Oh, and then you can work with each one and bend it accordingly, even it after shape. it's glued. Is it glue? Don't glue. No, no. Oh, there's no glue there's in that. No glue. There's no glue. Okay, so how do those feathers? <laughs> Those well, feathers are exactly. oh, wow. for all the Have you not noticed I'm dancing so around that know, answer? Yeah, <laughs> totally. You so can't share the answer. There's no glue. There's, there's no, no glue. It's like, it's like the no pen teller fooled you, you know? <laughs> no oh, you glue. fooled me. There's no glue. Wow. It's okay. magic, the magic of hat making. So there's no magic glue there. Of hat making, yes. And then is that... It's the w- touched by a light hand. Yes. It, it sure is. <laughs> and then is that... There, there, uh, there's a little epoxy involved in each in each one, but so... Is that, is that hollow? The Woodbine logo? Yes. Let's see it. Turn, turn it to the side. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Okay. I can, I can better... Okay. okay. I see it. Oh, and that's the, that's the other I, block. See how much I like you guys? I don't ever show the back of my And that's, oh, the yeah. other, that's the other block uh, that the feathers are in. Right. The feathers are all coming through this block here. Through that block. Yes. And they're all okay, individually beautiful. wired. So I can, you know, move those around oh, if I want. Oh, wow. They're that movable. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. And so, okay. so unique. So, but again, that's the joy of couture is that, uh, you know, we spend the time to do that. Yeah. So that allows us to have the control of, Perfect. Uh, of how beautiful that looks. Yeah. It's not, it's not, so in our business, it would be called a feather mount. We're not buying feather mounts, which are all glued with, you know, made in China, and right. then we just slap it on a hat, so. Yeah, that's wonderful. And, and the material, the, the material, the white material is similar to this material, but. Right. This- so, so this material is called cinema, 
And this is oh, exactly. That is cinema. This, these are both cinema. These are different colors. Okay. Uh, and the reason I brought this is uh, I I made this in London with with Her Majesty's Milner Rose. Wow. Um, and the and I was struggling. It was this was all about technique. I was learning this technique at the time. Um, and then when I was embellishing it, she said, and uh, forgive me, anyone who's British who's listening, she said, well, you know, I have this feather. You can use this. I took it off from Majesty's hat. What? So, so this was once on Queen Elizabeth's wow. hat. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Because they're a little thrifty and like to re-embellish their hats and rework them. So, um, oh, my God, that's beautiful. So I always treasured that one. So these go on that block. The, the cinema? Mm-hmm. Cinema goes on the block. And then... Um, and then you have to hit it with a chemical to get it into submission. Stay like then that. We have a, a bonding agent, which would which would be glue. And every hat maker has their own magic potion. Yeah. Do so. you? So you mix that up, sort of from a various yeah, things. Various things. Yeah. Honey, maple syrup, totally. and, you know, <laughs> sugar. Nelson's trying to get all the secrets <laughs> right, out exactly. here. You know what? I'm. I I'd, teach. You're welcome I'd to come take interested. my course. I'll tell you. I would totally take a hat making course. I'd, I'd, I think uh, I yeah. would too. I'd love three day it. workshops. Okay. Yeah, right. We will add that in the show notes. Three day workshops. Three day yeah. Workshops. Who's we joining? Absolutely will. Yeah. Because um, there's each one is there's a bit of mystery to them, in the sense that well, you can't it. quite it's all, it's figure all, out. One of the reasons I fell in love with hat making was I secretly always wanted to be a sculptor. Mm-hmm. And this is an incredibly, you know, they are sculptures. You are yes, making sculpture for sure. So, uh, but, but and the techniques that go into each one. Did you say forgiving? Yeah. See, and I totally disagree. That's not forgiving at all. No, but it's. It, I'm thinking of it from the context of working with a chisel and by accident chiseling off a huge piece of marble when you meant to chisel off a little piece. Fair enough. That's Fair what enough. I was sort of thinking about. Fair enough. And, but but with things like this, you know, it, it's so exact. Yes. It has it, yes, to be so definitely. exact because if you get it off in the slightest, oh. it's like if you get the center of a hat off, the, the center front, it, the whole, it just throws the whole thing off. Yeah. It, it looks it just, wonky. It just, it, it, exactly. It doesn't look right. It. If you don't get the bow right on a man's hat, it immediately becomes feminine. Yes. So, right. so, you know, it has to be, the tailoring on these things has to be bang on. You said bow or bow? Bow. bow. What, what, what is that? A bow on a hat? Yeah. So this would be a bow on a hat. Oh, like the bow. Oh, a bow. A bow. Oh, an actual bow. Oh, okay. Right. I thought it's it like... was I thought it was some other component. <laughs> These are called bows. Nelson? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Nelson okay. learns oh, what that's a bow a is. Bow. Yeah. Nelson, Talia should know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I guess that that really is because on a, like that would be more of a men's hat. This is my one it's of my best selling yeah, hats. I could, yeah. it's, but that I could see if the bow was somewhere else. It immediately becomes more feminine hat. Yes. And if you move it just a little too, too far forward, it's immediately feminine. If you right. make it mm-hmm. too large, it's immediately feminine. So right. men's, men's tailoring in hats is, is pretty pretty exact. Right. Yeah. Which is one reason why I enjoy women uh, doing women's uh, uh, female collections. Uh, because you know you can have a little bit more freedom and a little bit oh, more, a little yeah. bit more whimsy and yes yeah in most fa- if, if fashion across the board from my opinion is is definitely I'd I'd have more fun designing for a women's collection yeah and you know if it perhaps you chiseled off a little too much well then you just put a flower on it yeah so <laughs> <laughs> but of course that never happens yeah <laughs> um this um beret. So this, so here's a little secret announcement that I saved for cast of creators. So you guys are going to be the first to see this. Okay. So this fall, I was invited, not invited, I asked if I could visit uh, this lovely family-run company in Venice. And they've been in business for over 500 years. Wow. They do handmade silk brocade fabrics. For 500 years. For 500 years. It's like name a palace, they've done the brocade for it. Name a king or queen they've done it oh like it's gosh. just it's, their history is spectacular and uh so i i went and i had this lovely private meeting where they took me to the um into their studio and where they have these looms which are centuries old and they still they still use them um and it was just it was just it was out of this world like i couldn't believe i was having this opportunity to look at these beautiful fabrics so um i went i went and i had a lovely friend with me who I kind of walked in and said, I have this much money. Make sure I don't blow it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, And they were very kind there. They were very supportive. And they kind of showed me all the options of which I could afford and the things I couldn't afford but wanted to afford. Um, And uh, I purchased uh, some fabrics and I brought them back to Canada. And I'm making a collection. Oh, that's incredible. Which comes out on the 25th of November. Okay. And uh, it's only 11 pieces large. 
and uh, it has some menswear and some ladies wear. So, um, and I'm just like crazy excited because it is literally the most luxurious textiles I've ever worked with. Wow. So this one here is called a driving cap. I'll I'll be the model. Um, So this is the fabric. So you guys are the first to see. Beautiful. Love it. It's not published um, and then the side of this is, uh, so the top is the fabric I purchased, mm-hmm. the beautiful silk brocade, and the side is camel hair. Oh, wow. Oh, soft and beautiful. Stupidly, wonderfully luxurious. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's made on a loom that's over 200 years old? Yes. Wow. Yes. So, so we, I, we are... I'm the only one in the studio that's allowed to cut the fabric. Yeah, <laughs> of course. And there is, there's, it's kind of like when they cut Princess Diana's dress. There's yes. a collective uh, breath holding as I, as I'm yeah. cutting. And you're cutting um, with big scissors. Big I guess. scissors big and pranked. And I've measured 300 times to ensure that we got it right. But yeah. Um, but yeah so. so the material in between the more solid, thicker material, right. is that, is that also silk? So, uh, like, so what yeah, is that so this on? is all silk on top. Yeah. This is all silk. And on the side, this is a, Camel hair uh, on a, an Italian wool. Yeah. Wow. It's wool Italian. But the, the parts, could, could I say that? Yes, of course. The parts in between are semi-see-through, are they? Oh, no. no okay, no, I see uh, it. I see it. That's a gold fleck that you're saying. Yes. Oh, beautiful. Wow. So we're, we're very excited. Uh, really excited to bring this collection to life. Super soft. It is super soft. Hair face. Yeah. And the most magical thing to work with. Oh, you know? wow. So earlier we were talking about where I got my start and how I made fabrics or how I made soft hats. Um, yeah. I, I wasn't fortunate back then to work with such luxurious fabrics as yeah. I am now. So I'm quite excited. So it's DDFM in, Lon- in Venice, we call it. Yep. Um, and uh, it's 11 pieces large. Oh, and you sign all these. I do. I do sign my hats. I so love actually, that. That's a, that's a really great story. Uh, so there's, a, there's a, some of my colleagues argue with me uh in a healthy happy way Hmm. about my my labels because they all believe i should print my labels i should call a printer and have labels printed and i fundamentally believe that that would be the worst thing i can do for my product so hat makers pride ourselves at the level i play at to that we that we make everything by hand Mm -hmm. i make embellishments by hand Mm -hmm. i buy fabrics that are made by hand right um so why when i'm finished and i'm putting my stamp of approval onto a hat would i use a machine factoried label right it doesn't I make agree. any sense I, to me. it's backwards like, it's it totally backwards kind of like to me. makes it seem more mass um, produced mass produced so i hand stamp each one and then i autograph each one well that's hand stamp too yeah we hand stamp them okay. i hand stamp all all the labels um and then uh when the label goes in the hat traditionally uh um, oh, it would nice. go um, yeah. it goes, uh, it kind of goes right side up, which means if you're looking at the hat, um, uh, so, so I put the, let me, just, let me try explaining that again. <laughs> when I, cause I'm getting excited about this. Yes. <laughs> when I put a label into a hat, I put it upside down if it's a custom order and it's signed. Mm-hmm. So that way I know in the future, if I see this, that was something custom I did for somebody. So, oh. so the label, depending on its positioning, tells me what, who, not who it was made for, but how it was made. Right. Yeah. Do you put a serial number on the anyway? <laughs> I do not, because most things are just one of a kind. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. So you wouldn't, um, I mean, but, if, but for something like this, the, uh, the hat in front of you, the structured brown hat that you showed, that's well, something one that, that's one of your most popular hats. Right. So this is something we would make uh, all the time for people. So this is a good example. So. When you turn the hat up, you'll see that the label is looking at you here. Yes. Um, I've got one at the top with my name on it, but then I've got another one here. Um, but that is facing down. Mm-hmm. If it was upside down, that would tell me that I made this custom for somebody. Okay. Yeah. I love knowing so that's just this. a little DDFM oh, yeah. trick that we do. <laughs> so you can't come into my shop. Well, now that I give it away, you could take the label and turn it around. <laughs> oh, why would you do that? You can't come that? in and say, we had this custom. I'll trick like, them no, we in know. 10 we, years. We I'll know trick them. Yeah. <laughs> so where are you from? Where were you, where'd you grow up? Oh, where did I grow up? We're there, are we? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, the, you know, this hat's named after my therapist. So... <laughs> Uh, so I was born here in, uh, in Ontario and, uh, I have lovely parents who were gypsies. So, uh, not literally, but literally. Mm-hmm. So we grew up, um, up and down the coast of British Columbia. 
Wow. Oh, my dirty little oh you grew up in BC. I did. That's I'm a amazing. BC boy. And then when you I spent a lot of time in the mountains. You know this weather pretty well. I do know rainy this weather. Rainy weather. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it's not damp like it is. Uh, it's mm. damp here. Yeah, yeah it is quite you damp. You see it's cold, but it's not damp. Um, uh, so yeah, so I grew up uh, mostly in BC, but then in my early teens, we moved back to Ontario, where which is where all our family is from. So I've been here for 30 some odd years now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And then before you, your husband was, you know smart enough to recommend hat uh, the hat course such a smart man you must publish that oh, yeah. yes <laughs> title of the episode right. <laughs> what was your passion before hats what were you into <laughs> nothing no that's a good question um <laughs> a long i've pause. never had a passion uh, like this in my life so hats are my passion yeah that's amazing so to i you. didn't uh, i didn't grow up in a particularly creative environment whereas my husband did so when I when I started hat making, Jeffrey would say, uh, if I couldn't quantify something, it didn't have any value. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't quantify going to the park and staring at daffodils and drawing and sketching. That There was nothing I could quantify about that. So I didn't see any value in it. Mm -hmm. And he helped me understand the value in that and why that was important. So he really helped, you know, bring that out of me. Um, so I didn't, I didn't really, I've never had a passion until I discovered this. This really is my passion. I know that sounds kind of corny. No, they're, they're really, oh, it I, doesn't. I we were talking about I kind of grew up Matt. and grew into this. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, so I was like many people just it, kind of, you know, struggling through life, trying to figure out what it is I want to do when I grow up. So it, it, it's so wonderful that you found it because it would have been, um, you know, <laughs> what's well, a mixed what, blessing, isn't it? <laughs> well, I can't imagine you, um, as anything else, funny enough, mm. yeah, in a, in a in a in a positive way, in the sense that if you're somebody who is is daydreaming and looking at flowers and looking at you know artistic elements of life, it's it's a, it's a very lonely, sad state to not have an outlet for it. I agree, I agree, and I feel very fortunate that I've been able to create a life and a business um, that is thriving. Um, I can't imagine not. Not, I can't imagine not being creative. So the first time I grew up, I was a medical lab technologist. The second time I grew up, I was a, a political scientist. Oh. And I ended up working uh, within politics. Okay. So I sat at a desk. And my dream at the time, <laughs> was, if, which is why I wanted to, to get my BA, was to work in the Ministry of Health. I thought if I could just be um, an administrator at the Ministry of Health, I would have died and gone to heaven. Yeah. Now I think I'll die and go to hell if, you, if I have to sit at a desk full time. <laughs> yeah, I mean I have I a desk. That. I have a desk that I work at to kind of do the necessities of running a business. But past that, I'm I'm you know my hands are in glue, my hands are in feathers. My you know I've got ten million things going on in my brain. I always say when you come into my shop, my shop is a visual of my brain and how I think. So it welcomes some and it frightens others. <laughs> oh, I think that's something I would absolutely love. Yeah. I mean, I'm a creative lady, and I. I was very excited to meet you and see hats oh, thank and you. stuff. Thank you. So I, I can't imagine not being creative now and mm. not having some sort of passion. I think that was the question. I don't know. I yeah. Like I've talked myself in and out of that. But No, oh, but uh, that was a really good answer. I think a lot of people sometimes think you have to grow up or figure out what it is that you want to do when you grow up. And, you know, if you don't have a passion, it's sometimes hard to, you know, decide what you want to do because you kind of do what you traditionally think you should do mm. um, and you're lucky that you stumbled upon something else that you're like it changed your life and opened up well, a whole does, new world I, of creativity. I also say that people put pressure on you have to find your passion. I had no idea this was my passion. Yeah. Right? You just have to keep doing things and eventually you will trip. I mean it's such a cliche but eventually you'll trip into something which may or may not be your passion. Yes. But, uh, but you know hats I had to you know decide I enjoyed it and keep pursuing it and keep pursuing it and and, you know, I always say careers are all about timing. And, you know, I've had some great, great timing in my career, mm. which has helped move me forward. I want to dive into this three-day course a little bit. <laughs> yes. So what do we cover in these three days? Where do you start and what's the mm. arc of this course? Wow, that's a very good question, Nelson. So I, um, the one thing I, I dislike about courses is when you sit down and the teacher says, today we're going to learn how to make a mug and we're all going to make a mug. I don't want to make the same thing you're making because it may not interest me. Mm -hmm. So I, so I, I like to make sure when you come to my workshop that you're making something you want to make. Uh, I like to teach first time people because I think that's just fun. I love introducing people to the art of making. 
so um i would so for example the harvey i would teach somebody how to make this hat like i'll just sit you down and i'll show you the from start to finish how to make a couture version of this um and uh so we can do that in three days i keep the class very small it's only four students okay and and you work at my workbench we don't go to a special room you actually sit where i sit and where my team sits um that's where we make hats that's where you will make a hat so for three days on a friday saturday and sunday we will make a hat from start to finish so five 15 hours in total um, God, and then you leave. And so I try to direct people into projects that I know we can accomplish in three days. Right. Um, so, so it's not too uh, overwhelming for people. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Yeah. I know exactly what I'd probably want to make. I'd probably want to make that in black with black silk. Yeah. Probably I would want to make do. a very wide round brim. Right. Yes. We could do all those in I'd three like days. like a wide brim. And maybe that kind of the top that's kind of like that, but not as high, like a top and then a wide brim. Oh, flat I, top, wide brim. Yeah. So kind of like a boater. <laughs> That's like a, kind of like a boater with a giant brim. Yeah, like yeah. a big boater. So that would be called a picture hat. Oh, yeah, a picture hat. That would be called a picture hat. That's, um, have you ever made an v- extremely large hat? I have made an extreme, many, many. <laughs> yes. I did one for a photo shoot a few years ago and I had to laugh. Uh, <laughs> it was, it was the, it was the biggest hat I've ever made. I think it was probably six feet wide. It was huge. Oh, it was wow. huge. Uh, <laughs> And, uh, you know, I've had a couple things in my career go viral. That's one of them that went viral. And I had to laugh because people kept calling to ask me to make it for them. And I was like, absolutely not. Right. <laughs> like it was a, totally a photo shoot hat. Like it was, I all, saw it was all made out of, in a photo it was all made out of foam and it was light and it was, you know, it was it pretty on camera, yeah. but it was not a wearable thing. <laughs> yes. I bought one, like a, you know, not like a beach hat, but the, it's so, it's like this wide. Yeah, I bought silly. one of those two are super floppy beach it's the same hat one. that you wouldn't get a tan in it. No, but I mean, I don't, I never that's, wear that's it. That's why it's, she bought it, I think. I take it for, I use it for photos at the cottage, but it's totally, it's. Is it it's, straw? It's like a straw kind of hat, but it's ridiculously big. And like, Sean's like, you're not it's like wearing like a hula hoop size thing. It's like the hula <laughs> hoop size floppy straw thing. There's a great hat from thing, the 50s and I don't know what wire they used. I have, I've never had time to investigate it. But it kind of it curls up into a figure eight and then goes into a bag. Oh, literally, it's like ah. this big when it's done. Yes, oh. but it can open up to be as yeah. wide as you're describing. Yes, that's fun. Yeah, I've always wanted to make those. I I know those things. I Some... will die with a list longer <laughs> than what I will actually accomplish of the things I want. <laughs> that, to make. That's great. You know, you always have lots of things like on to the next. And yes, now this material to your left. Yes. Um, it, it, is the actual what looks like a mesh material. Is that, does that come in as an existing fabric or is that something that you're creating? So this is called netting. Mm-hmm. Netting. Um, and that's, uh, actually, I've, I can answer that. If I've got another one. Sorry to wake my finger at you. Uh, so <laughs> no uh, problem. This, is, this is a, um, I, I'm married to a very waspy family. I'm married <laughs> into a very, so you'd never wake your finger at people. Uh, <laughs> right, Jeff? A finger uh, wag. So, um, this is netting. So this is a hat netting. Mm-hmm. This is called my floating veil. So to take I love on that one the English so fascinator, much. which you were wearing. Yes. Um, so I have, um, we have hand sewn it at the back to create a circle because it actually comes as a big, long rectangle. Oh, okay. So it's sewn up and then wired and then put together. So. And, and does it come stiff like that? No, that's all a sewing. That's all a sewing. The art of sewing. It has a... Um... So this the is a wire. Perim- this is oh, a wire. The perimeter is a wire. The perimeter is a collapsible wire. Ooh. Okay. Um, and then we have um, the netting, and the netting is hand sewn, and then it's and fed onto the wire. Stuff. And then there's and then jewels on the netting too. Yep. Some crystals. Crystals. Some crystals. And then this is two layers of uh, cinema that are hand rolled together. Okay, and that's the same type of folded petal effect as this is. Uh, Cassie was wearing correct. And and these are. Um, you originally did this at that course for the uh, the Queen's mother. With Her Majesty's Milner, yes. Yeah, beautiful. Wow. Beautiful. And uh, where's the name Milner come from? You know that one? Where's know. Milner from? <laughs> I can't remember. So we don't, no, we, we didn't know. I guess we're going to have remember. to look that that I don't remember. No, no okay. <laughs> cut that bit out. We'll cut that out. Um, so what is I should the, know the answer to that, and I probably do. I just have, don't remember it quite fully. <laughs> so when you went to study um, yes. abroad, I should say, but during that course, what was the, the you basically studied under the Queen's hat maker? So Miss Rose Corey, the, uh, yes. So Miss Rose Corey had a royal warrant. 
uh, to make hats for Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth. I love that, a royal warrant. She did have a royal warrant, yes. The coveted royal warrant. And how long were you there? So I went back and forth for nine years with her. That was not the answer that I thought I was going to get. Okay. So you're going back and forth for nine years. Yeah, back and forth. um, Going through similar um, multi-day sessions where you're building a type of hat to get together or so at the at the beginning it was uh one week classes and i would sit and we would discuss you know i you know i was kind of that's so green i just didn't really know i'm like let's make a hat so <laughs> we would just make a hat uh, and then as the years went on um you know i would arrive and then miss Corey would i'd say you know i really need to i really like to learn this mm-hmm. i really right. like to learn this so um so it was starting to become more and more focused as I started to become more experienced. Uh, so, but yeah, but she was the only person uh, <laughs> to this day who um, would, would, again, which I would sew something and she would say, well, David, it's, it's very pretty. And then she would yank my thread out. <laughs> but, but I think we could do that again. <laughs> and in your head, you'd be freaking out because you just spent six hours making that. Uh, and, uh, but she was always right. She was always right. Mm-hmm. Um, and you would n- then sit down and do another six hours or four hours of hand sewing, whatever it was you were making. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, I mean, y- y- the nice thing about working with someone like that is you have all the confidence in the world that the standard she's setting mm-hmm. is the pinnacle standard. I agree with you. And that, that was, you know, timing again. I mean, aren't I lucky that she took me on and that I had the opportunity to study and, and listen to her and listen to the stories and to put my ego aside and, you know, shut up and just do what you were told. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I used to love just landing and just doing what I was told because I knew that she knew what she was talking about. Exactly. You know, versus working with someone that, you know, isn't as proven as she is she's incredibly well it was sweet towards towards the you know the end that sounds so final but uh you know there was one year i was there and i was talking and and the royal wedding had happened and you know we had 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 some notoriety and worked with the royal family and uh, this is the kate kate william kate and william Mm. and uh i was there sometime thereafter and uh i was talking to her and i we were going we were kind of you know some boastful but uh we were talking about some of the celebrities I had dressed and who I had worked mm-hmm. with. And yeah. What Let's talk States. about them. Well, in a moment. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> and I remember she, we were talking, she asked me some questions and then, and then she kind of sheepishly showed me something and told me something she was working on for, for television. And she didn't do a lot of television work. And I had done some TV and movie work by that point. And she had wondered if, if, you know, this was okay. And I remember sitting there thinking, she's asking me if it's okay. Yeah. And I, I wouldn't answer her. Like, I just, I couldn't answer. Like, yeah. I, I couldn't do that answer. So I, I said to her, I said, ma'am, well, I think you've made hats for the head of state. So I think this hat is perfect. Yeah, yeah of course. <laughs> if you can make hats for a head of state for 40 years, yeah. you, you, can, you can cover movie and TV. <laughs> Yeah, you weren't going to say, well, accept this stitch and just rip no, it out. No, <laughs> absolutely not. And of course it was perfect. If anything, it was oversewn and overcoutured. <laughs> if that's even a Especially for TV. Especially for How TV. How close are they getting on they that They never hat. get close. Yeah, exactly. you, you can use hot glue if you want. <laughs> a lot of times they do on TV. Uh, they do. Yeah. <laughs> so for that wedding between Kate and William. Yes. You were here making hats for different clients who were going to that wedding. Yeah, the royal wedding, that was, it was such it's a crazy a time in my careers. Cause we had just, I really just kind of launched this shop at that point. It was kind of a studio shop. I still, you know, it was still pretty new and nobody knew the hell, nobody knew who I was. I barely knew who I was as an artist. Um, and I remember I had uh, business coaches at the time, uh, Nick and Judy Hughes. And, uh, they, uh, I remember saying to them, you know, I think if there's a royal wedding, that'll help with hats and the popularity mm-hmm. of hats. Well, I had sure. no concept of what I was talking about because yeah. then the royal wedding hit. And again, timing about careers, um, all of my training had started to play into it. So the media were very interested in who I was mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and my connection to the royal family. So we ended up just, we, it was myself and one person because <laughs> that, that, was, that was the we at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we worked our butts off through that, through that wedding. I bet. Made so many, so many hats for, wow. for so many people. Um, a lot of the press, a lot of the people who were reporting. I remember there was um, uh, a, one particular moment 
I, I remember the day of the wedding watching and we were like channel surfing. I'm like, oh, there's my hat. There's my hat. There's my hat. There's my hat. It was, it was kind of fun. Wow. And um, uh, there's two memories of that time that, that have stuck with me. It's kind of that. And then uh, we, we remember we, we made all these hats for all the on-air people for every network. <laughs> and uh, uh, Jeannie Becker was going to wear one of our hats. And in the end, she ended up wearing not us. Uh, but she, she did a very lovely, polite shout out about DDFM at the time. Actually, we weren't even called DDFM. We weren't David Dunkley Fan Millinery that we were Casey's Hats, for those who, who know my work. Casey's Hats. We were Casey's Hats. It's through letter K, letter wow. C, apostrophe S. Casey's oh my hats. gosh. Yeah. Love that connection. Named yeah. after Aunt Casey and my dog Casey. Actually, that's oh. the way to write it to make sure that somebody says it yes. that way. <laughs> people all the time. You got to get a KC name tags. Well, we used to have Casey's hats.com. Yeah. Oh. You spell that out in your head, which we never thought about. K chats. <laughs> K chats. Oh, <laughs> I see. I um, usually don't think about that, but I have worked in social so long that often I will think of something in a hashtag and then I'll go, uh, 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 that's not going to work at the hashtag. <laughs> Say it to yourself again. <laughs> yes, I know that. Yeah. Um, so Jeannie did this lovely shout out. And, and the point of this is that uh, the, the Royal Wedding just changed our career because uh, everything. So I remember the day, we took the day off of the Royal Wedding, but the day after, um, the two of us, Rebecca and myself, were coming to the shop and there was a lineup at the bus stop in front of our shop. Wow. And it turned out it wasn't a lineup after the bus stop, it was a lineup to get in our shop. Oh my gosh. And uh, literally within, I mean, I say we were cleared out and it sounds so grand. I mean, we didn't have a lot. <laughs> we were new at the time. But we were cleared out that day, thanks to kind of all that exposure. Incredible. And Jeannie's shout out. Wow. Yeah. So that just, it just changed everything. It just changed my life. That, when that did wedding. they get married, Kate? 2011. 11. <laughs> Not that I can remember. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so who are some of the celebrities you've been excited so I'm happy to hat. share, but I'm terrible at this game because I always forget. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then when I go when I go home tonight, I'll be like, and, oh, like, oh, and I forgot yeah. that person and that person. So you know, just so so. I mean, I don't want to be coy. I yeah. mean, it's just so many people. Uh, yeah. Uh, so I really am bad at this. Oh, game. that's okay. Then forget it. Have you ever made a hat for second, anyone on Young and the Restless? I've made all kinds. <laughs> who's who? So um, we've done all. So I've done all kinds of you know royalty. We've dressed dukes and duchesses and prince and wow. princesses. Um, and we've done some Japanese royalty as well. Yes, and uh, you can't wear the same hat. Never wear the same hat. Uh, never. But the dirty secret is they do. We just re-embellish them. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> just you'd like, like You'd have to, mm, yeah. you know, but you can't. It's like I often, I'm, like, I'm not even a royalty, but I don't usually wear the same outfit. Like I'll wear the same items, but not the same exact outfit. So you could probably wear the same base or something and then well, you would you just start really embellishing differently yeah and uh, well, changing I the feathers every hat collection should have a black hat a white hat and a red hat okay just those three flat colors if you have those three flat colors people will you can mix and match that a mm. hundred different a hundred different ways and people will always yes. think you have a new hat on well sometimes i have i have lots of hats not one of yours yet but i would like to you take that come. course and make one <laughs> or just buy one um, but sometimes I'll change the, um, you know, I have a lot of vintage scarves, so I'll put like a scarf on the hat or a lot of uh, brooches, like my mom's or my Nana's brooch that I'll add to a hat yeah, to absolutely. kind of make, give them a little different personality. Make it your own. That's what yes. we always say. Yeah. I don't find, I, I mean, I don't ha have hats in my Well, when you have locks repertoire. like that, you don't want to cover yeah. them, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, I love, um, yes, I love hats. I guess one of the things you mentioned was that you know, hat um, come and go in, in terms of like being extremely popular, like this season, it's the season of the hat. Anything that, are we in a, like, let's say leading into spring of next year, any hat trends or things you see are like. <laughs> so I have a thing about trends. Yeah, you probably well, are like when, no trends. The, well, well, the, the, when I started my career, the, the National Post asked me for a hat uh, in the color of coral. Oh. They were doing a thing, and it was like I think the first time I'd had any anybody ask me to make a hat for a national article, mm -hmm. and so I made because that was the trend at the time. Coral, and yeah. so I bought I made a coral hat, and then I bought a, a sixty yards of coral, mm -hmm. and I was ready to make coral hats because they were going to be the hottest trend ever. Mm -hmm. Well, I had that coral for ten years, right? <laughs> so I don't really follow hat trends. Yeah, I guess because you know it's more a hat. The type of hats you're making are 
um, unique, a lot of one of a kind and unique to Completely. a person. Completely. And it's like a person was going to follow their own trend and they're going to well, make their, well, they're not even on I, trend. Well, it's like I specialize pers- in a uh, special event wear. Right. And, okay. Um, so I do um, bar mitzvahs, bat mitzvahs, um, uh, horse races, weddings, yes. and funerals. Yeah. We dress mm-hmm. people attending and sometimes the deceased. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, so that's what I, that's my first love. That's what I love to do. Right. So there isn't really trends. That's all based yeah. on garments and what you're doing, but there are absolutely trends in each season. So right now, um, bucket hats are popular. Yes. So we're doing bucket hats again, um, which I started with at the beginning of my career, bucket hats are popular. <laughs> and now I've been alive around. long enough and doing this long enough. We're doing them again. So bucket hats are popular. So there's always, you know, an ebb and a flow to it. Um, yeah. Yeah. I was just curious. So looking forward. Where, you know, are you satisfied with exactly what your business is doing today or do you want to take it in a different direction or what what does the future look like for Mm. DDFM? Yeah, DDFM. COVID's been spectacular uh, in some ways because like everyone, it made me reevaluate. So um, so I really decided that I was going to focus on not trying to be as busy as I was. So when COVID hit, I got sick. Mm. I got sick because we, like everybody, we just stopped. I had yeah. no idea I was working so hard. I had no idea I was under so much stress and uh, I recovered. I was fine. I, uh, but uh, I decided I never wanted to be like that again. Mm-hmm. So as the business is, as we ramp back up, uh, I decided that we're going to be by appointment. We're only going to have drop-in days on two days a week. We're going to specialize more in fine art of, uh, you know, the, the fine art of hat making. So I'm surrounding myself again with uh, uh, team members that understand that and know how to do that. So we're a really tight, small team. And um, I, just, I just really want to keep growing that way. People always say, oh, you should start wholesaling. You should start doing this. You should start doing that. And I did a little bit of that before, but it just about killed me. Right. And the truth is the Canadian market and especially the Toronto market is very large and there's enough work for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and and in, in making the decision to become more refined and more exclusive, I'm well, actually busier than we've ever been. Wow. So Yeah, I love that. Yeah. So, Incredible. And I'm just not stressed about it anymore. You know, I'm not worried about is social going to get me 300 new customers? I don't want 300 new customers. Right. I want five new, really great customers. Mm-hmm. And that's who's coming now. So yeah, people who really fantastic. appreciate that. So yeah. someone will come to you and they'll have an event uh, most of the time. I'm a, is that, is that a correct? A lot of time. I mean, it's pretty 50-50. Okay. I mean, you know, we do, you know, if you want a Harvey made, we make you a Harvey. And, you know, you just, you're just somebody who likes hats, who wants something custom that they can wear. And do you find that um, most people will know exactly what they want or do they sort of know? Nobody knows what they want. <laughs> right. That's what I th- That's right. Okay. So very often you're looking at a person and recommending um, a fascinator or a more traditional sort of structured hat. Well, when I'm doing a custom, a custom piece, I like to show you what you think you want. And then I like to show you what doesn't look good on you. And now let's talk about what will look good. Mm, that's an right. interesting Because you need to, to understand, you know, you might want a big picture hat, but the yes. reality is that's not really going to w- work for the event that you're attending. Right. right. So let me show you why that's not going to work and why I think you might want to go in this direction. Yeah, that's a wonderful way to do it. Because if you're coming in, well, if you're, if you're not exposed to a v- massive variety, you're never really going to understand what the real margins are for your complexion. Mm. So you come in, and you'll know, I mean, you can see someone, I'm sure, and go, this definitely won't work on them. Correct. And you'll put that on them and you'll be like, okay, here's the, here's the tall, you know, here's where you're probably smart to stay within these boundaries. Okay, this doesn't work. This is works, but pretty basic and simple. And I know that you think that this is what's great for you, but it's not really what we could do, but we could do this. And that's your... Correct. But then I've also learned to keep my mouth shut. Because <laughs> because I think it looks good. Yeah. And my right. level of taste it it says you should want. wear this. Doesn't necessarily mean my taste and your taste are going to jive. Right. Yeah. So if um, if Madam believes that looks good on her, then we then, believe it. Then you shall have the hat of your dreams. Then you will have the hat of your dreams. Exactly. I will grant your wish. We'll make that in what color? <laughs> and how many would you like? <laughs> Correct. <laughs> well, that, fantastic. Well, you know, at the, at the also um, I mean, be, before you process. pull me off stage here. Um, the, the other thing is, um, <laughs> the, the other thing is it's in my best interest. Everybody look good when they leave. Yeah. And most importantly, you feel, feel good because yes. you don't feel good wearing, cause they're all crowns. It doesn't matter if mm. it's a tiny fascinator or this, 
it's all a crown. And if you don't feel comfortable in the crown you're wearing, you won't wear it. Mm-hmm. And so I pride myself that you're going to be comfortable in what, what you leave in. Yeah, beautiful. Well, looking good is feeling good. Beautiful. You know, if they're going out, I mean, oh, that's such an Oprahism. Yes, but it's yeah, like, totally. but if they're wearing a hat that they that you created for them, that's something unique to them, and they feel great, they will talk about that, and it's like you know, word of mouth for you, and they'd be kind of a great hat ambassador for your crafts. Well, and people don't, people aren't uh, accustomed to having custom things done anymore, mm-hmm. especially custom hats, because mm-hmm. the art of what we do has not changed in you know thousands of years. It is still literally done. The same way it was done 500 years ago is the same way we do it now. So, I hope anyways, I could go on and on. Custom things. Well, we'll keep everybody in the loop with the course because yes. <laughs> I think there'll be other people who will be interested in taking yes. that course. I definitely am. And I think Talia would be too. And I know Casey will be. And um, it's just been an absolute pleasure to have you. Thank you for having me. You guys have been great. Yeah, oh thank gosh, you. So welcome. And we're just so impressed with everything you've been able to accomplish and can't wait to see um, your next collection, which comes out on November 25th. Correct. Yes, and the Venice collection, DDFM in Venice. Beautiful. So can't wait to see that. And what's next for DDFM? Thank you. Thank you for tuning into this episode with David Dunkley. Visit daviddunkley.me to browse his collections or better yet, make a purchase. And check out more episodes of Cats and Craters on YouTube, your favorite podcast platform, or visit castofcraters.com.